silence in the court. All rise for the Honourable Judges. Welcome to Talking Shondaland. For the People Edition, I'm Kay. And I'm Sports. No Brody this week, because I quote, Kate Littlejohn was not in this episode enough. No, that's not true. <laughs> that's not Wow. No, that's not true. Kate was a very important part of this episode, so the fact that she maybe was less in it did not play a part in why Brody is not here. It's because she has a flu that you may have heard, actually, last episode, because she had it back then as well, and she's still trying to recover from it. Kate Littlejohn had the most important line in the episode, though. She had the, the, yeah, the line, the title of this episode, which was, You Belong Here. Um, in this episode written by Zahir McGee and directed by Demain Davis, which I've seen a lot of hype for this director, for uh, Demain Davis. Apparently the story goes that Eva DuVernay is who recommended uh, this director to Tom Verica. And uh, a lot of people seemed very impressed with her, which I understand. It was a great episode with great themes, actually. So... I'm glad I got to be introduced to this new director. New for me. I don't mean new as in new to this career. Um, on the docket this week, we have, we're going to do three accusations each, bringing us to six accusations altogether. Sports, can you tell us your first accusation? I would like to accuse for the people of having this be the best Leonard episode since the beginning of the series. Absolutely agree. This is the episode where I think I started to like him. Yeah. I respected his character. But after this episode, I like his character. Because we got to see that he's human. Yeah. He always was, to me, was a little bit more robotic than Kate Littlejohn was. Agreed. But now we know that part of it, I really think, is a defense mechanism. Yeah. You know, when he talked about his college experience after being stopped, and he went back and he talked to his people at school, and he had his best black friend that said, but you're not really black, you're a sellout, so whatever. And then his white friend, who was mocking and saying, well, you survived. So he didn't really belong anywhere and how that made him feel. And that con that whole conversation coming up because he finds out he was given this case for one reason and one reason only. Yeah. The color of his skin. Because they wanted to have a black prosecutor going after a black defendant. For optics. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, so, it's, a, it's a curse for Leonard really trying to fit in, having a hard time fitting in, finding his place. I think his mom at least seems very inclined to make him fit in spaces where Leonard doesn't maybe necessarily feel comfortable. I think it's maybe the big struggle of his, this character, trying to fit in. You know, and when he... he who is Roger's boss name? What is his name? I'm it's not sure. When he goes up to his office, 
And he says, I've worked for everything I had. And the other guy says to him, it's great that you think that, but you're wrong. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like this truth bomb gets blown up in Leonard's face. Mm -hmm. And he just, we get to see his human side and he's honest. And that conversation he has with Kate is he bears his soul to her. I just, I was like, wow, wow. And then he takes that energy and he just goes to work. Oh, yes. Him telling Kate, you don't know me, and her, her asking him, who does, you know? That's, that was great. I feel like that was something I related with a lot, because I've been seeing Leonard on the screen for a season and a half now, and still I, I, I struggle to understand what makes him tick, why he makes the, de- the decisions he makes. Uh, so it was good to see and be able to relate to some of his struggles and be able to see that he struggles, <laughs> you know? Because like you yeah. mentioned, he came off as a bit robotic. Um, I cannot speak to uh, his experience. I, I am white. I cannot speak to, uh, you know, being told race matters, but uh, I'm part of the LGBTQ community, and sometimes I like to pretend that it doesn't matter who I'm married to, that doesn't matter, that we should be in a world where we're post-sexuality, and I have to remind myself that it does matter, that every time I speak about my relationship, I'm doing a political statement and that it's important and you know for for my that's kind of how I related to Leonard that was my my connection to him and I appreciated though our experiences are extremely different race and sexuality are two different things it is where my little piece of minority that's how I related to him you know so I I really appreciated getting the opportunity to relate to this character honestly um was very touching for me so yeah i agree with you this this is the the best leonard episode yet i agree with with your accusation is there anything else you'd like to touch on when it comes to that nope okay um i would like to accuse the show of exploring the theme of not belonging uh, and rejection so we have it obviously with Leonard. Uh, I think we like to treat to treat any kind of minority or difference as kind of a monolith that has where everyone shares the same experience. But just in this episode with Leonard, uh, with Philip, with Isaiah, with uh, the big boss whose name I forget, we have the example of four black men who have completely different experiences who t- who are motivated motivated by completely different things who um who act differently have different ideology different experiences completely and i think it's important to be to remind ourselves of that that people who share something that is common do not necessarily share the same experience the same value um and that sometimes that kind of make us wonder where we belong in this whole thing. So I, I really appreciated exploring that. Uh, we have Jay also in his storyline, kind of Jay saying, you know, 
I'm a city kid. I can deal with this. I can do this. And kind of struggling when he gets in that environment and struggling to find where <laughs> and how we can fit into this story. And then meeting this this man who's in, in federal prison and who... Um, I, I, he's not pretending to be a lawyer, but who is offering legal services, I suppose, to inmates as well as guards, as we find out, and being and doubting that man, though it seems that the man had some valid points, you know. And I, I would think that the, the experience of being an inmate also makes you wonder how you fit in and makes you work hard to try to fit into society or find a, a role for yourself. So that was extremely interesting. Uh, we see reject rejection and fitting in with New Ted and Sandra, where Sandra finds a new passion. And New Ted <laughs> tells her, you know, I appreciate seeing you outside of work. And Sandra being very, um, I don't know, explicit, though she is using kind of covered words to let Ted know that she's not interested in that kind of relationship with him and him being so cool with it you know I don't know I appreciated seeing that though I don't know to me it's very open-ended I think Sandra and Ted are something we're gonna end up seeing and we're gonna end up exploring but it was still good to see him be able to understand what she was saying and stay there for her and help her box though he was kind of flirty still whatever I still like him. Um, I think maybe the most interesting exploration of fitting in is with Phil Cause, Philip, uh, who is, for all intent and purposes, the bad guy of this episode, the master negotiator, the master manipulator. It was extremely interesting to see his takedown and how affected he was by it. You know? How did you feel about the soul character? You know, I, I, I was watching it. I'm like, I, I kind of wonder if they modeled him a little bit after Johnny Cochran. I was wondering that, too, because I saw Co I had Cochran vibes as well. Um, Not real, I think, is the first thing I think of when I see him not or not genuine. Um, has bought into his own hype and press. Yeah. Lives the high uh, life. Has all yeah. the resources. Overconfident, arrogant. I mean, when he says, you look tired, you should get some sleep to Leonard. I was like, dude, I want you to lose so bad. I just, I was so glad to see him lose. Me too. It, it, it got to the point where I was less concerned about the guy who would pay off officials and stuff going to jail than I was about seeing him lose. Yeah, I agree with that, actually. And that Alan, whatever his name's character going to jail was, was not the win for me. The look on his face when they uh, caused his face, when the guilty verdicts were read were the win for me. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that answered your question. No, no. Yeah. I, I and I, I think you're, that's valid. And I, I felt very similarly. I think what brought it back to the person who was actually being on trial was Leonard's reaction to the verdict. And, finally understanding what Kate was saying, you know, when she said, I don't celebrate people going to prison or jail. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, um, no, she was, she was absolutely right. But 
you know, uh, Leonard earned that win. Yeah. And, it, you know, having somebody go to jail isn't, obviously, that's not great. You could see the look on the guy's face. Um, because I, I think that he started out with good intentions, but he went down a wrong path. Yeah. You know, um, Leonard not being able to go back to work after. Speaks volume, I think. It does. Yeah. But you were talking about um, some rejection. So for you Little Bell fans. Yes. Well, that's my last part. So we go back to Leonard with this because he talks to Kate in the elevator, asks her to go to the noodle place, and she says no. Uh, she has work, but then she tells him, you belong here. So what I'm seeing with Leonard's arc is he went to Texas, he came, he's been struggling to, I think, really come to peace with coming back and understanding where he fit in and being welcomed back by Kate's. Her telling him, you belong here professionally, though she might not be ready yet to let him in personally, I think was huge. It was. And the fact that she and Sandra both said no to potential suitors, I think, um, fits right into what you're looking for. You think they're they're foreshadowing a little bit? Are you? Wait, what? Because I'm being because I'm being cautious. That's not <laughs> you think they're preparing us for Kate and Sandra? Is that what I'm hearing? No, I just oh. I think uh, no, 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 no. I just, that, that part was to tease you. I'm not going to oh, lie. Oh, okay, okay. But, but though... I think that what they're doing is they're, they're leaving it open by showing that these two women do not have to be defined by being in a relationship to be awesome. But why are they mirroring it? Like, why, do they, why does it have to be... Why does it have to tug at my heartstring? <laughs> You know, it's they're making it so hard not to be full on the little bell train. Oh, such good, good, good relationship. Um, but I wouldn't I'm not adverse to to Sandra and New Ted. Honestly, I think they have a great dynamic. I like him in general. Leonard and Kate, not so much. But uh, Sandra and Newton. No, because I, I think that Leonard and Kate are both a little too closed off emotionally for that to be a healthy relationship. Yeah, I agree. They're not, neither of them are ready for that. Yeah. And I think it's extremely meaningful that she tells him, you belong here. I think it's, there is no one, even Roger. If Roger had been the the one telling him that, I think Kate saying that is more meaningful than anyone. He, it's the validation yeah, he needs. That, because I think that if anything, this case took away some of his respect for Roger. Yeah, probably. Also, you know, when he came back, he told Kate. What if I came back for you? This episode, we see him say, this is why I came back, to go against people like Philip Cause. Kind of shifting in why, sh shifting the reason why he came, which I, I think it's it's everything. It's not just Kate. It's Though she is probably the big part of why he came back. Um, 
and him at least being validated in that front. You know, professionally, it makes sense that he came come comes back. He fits in there. At least having that, I think, must be very soothing for him. And it was nice to see. Um, all right, your next your next point, sports. Um, uh, I accuse the show of making me sad because. Anna DeVere Smith is nowhere in this episode. Right? Not a single appearance. And while I loved this episode, I think that when you consider some of the topic, um, with fitting in where you belong, I really, I, I would have loved to hear part of her take on that. I agree. Because I, I bet that there is a very interesting story there. Yeah. I'm not sure how you would get it to work with a prosecutor because she seems to have more one-on-one -on -one time with the public defense. Yeah. And I don't know if that has to do with um, the fact that because of who is on duty gets assigned by her, <clears throat> if that's why. And the prosecutor's office assigns prosecutors. You know what I mean? Yeah. If she interacts with them more, I just... I missed her. And I would have loved to have heard her take on that. Because in my mind, while Leonard's having that conversation with Kate, I'm hearing her conversation about her America yeah. in my head at the time. Almost like... I was the poor kid that grew up and this is my America. And now we're hearing from the privileged kid side. That's true. Like uh, two experiences kind of bookend each other. Yeah. And uh, another thing about fitting in, since you're, you're, you're mentioning uh, Anna Devere Smith, I, of course I think about Jay where he's presented with an idea of what a law student is getting all those loans and those that debt and then living with your parents forever which is a narrative jay fits so it was interesting to hear that and him <laughs> like being very defensive of that being i haven't lived with my parents for like a week <laughs> yeah right I love this show so much. I love it. But I agree. I, mean, I missed I missed Anna DeVere Smith as well. Um, every chance we have to put her in and include her more. Oh, she's such a talent. Such a force. Um, Alright. My next point um, is I will accuse the show of introducing a new dynamic that is that kind of shifted the where the force lies like I'm thinking we've been presented time and again we've been shown and told time and again that uh, in the dynamic of the defenders and the government or the prosecutors it is the prosecutors that have the most resources and the most money and it is often then who win and the defenders are kind of the underdog but when we introduce a big firm like the firm where cause where Philip works uh, the government kind of becomes the, the the underdog the one who that doesn't have the 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 resources and the interns and or whatever whoever Philip was using to um, send all those motions oh, which that montage was fantastic right 
it was wonderful and you know it's it's all a matter of circumstance the government is not always the top dog against a big firm with so many resources it is the government that's going to struggle to keep up um, you know yeah. and that has happened in a lot of the lawsuits that for years when the government was fighting tobacco companies because the tobacco companies had so many basically unlimited resources it seemed right compared to the government resources that it was very hard to get wins in court and I, I and we see that we see that in law shows where the motions they they will pile on the the motions to you know uh, make them use all their resources or to make people break down or to discourage people it happens and yeah it was nice to see. I, I appreciated seeing the prosecutors as the one who are struggling for once. It was an interesting shift. And them kind of relaying together and working. Kate being with Leonard and working and sharing pizza with while Seth... We also saw Seth working. He wasn't always asleep. We also saw him work on some, some motions. So it was interesting. It was nice to see them work together. With their tiny little light over their tiny little desk. Yeah. Yeah. While the the other team is at elegant restaurants having fancy meals. It, they kind of set it up as a David versus Goliath thing. Yes. Absolutely. I like that comparison. Yes. And it was such a power shift that was that was interesting to see. Give them a little taste of their money with the the defense lawyers. Um your turn, sports. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about um, kind of the use of food in this show. <laughs> I accuse them of using food as a thing. We've done because that before. This, That's so funny. Well, I don't know. It's almost like it's a Shondaland thing. Because anybody who's ever watched Grey's knows that there's a ton of food euphemisms for stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, but here, certain things with food defines relationships. Like uh, at the beginning of this episode where Cause has Leonard go over for pie and Roger finds out about it. And Roger's mad, but you ate his pie. He's really upset that he went and did that. We had seen a couple episodes ago where when Seth was at Jay's house with him, the way his mother cooked and prepared food. We had the whole donut ritual with the bear claw. The bear claw, yeah. The noodle ritual that um, had been established in season one, but Kate kind of backed off of here and said, no, I have work to do, you know, but didn't go for the noodles. Yeah. So they... You know, and showing the elaborate meals of the defense team while the prosecution is coming up with stuff to fight all these emotions. Right. Um, that they they kind of let us know who has affluence and means without actually always talking about money, which I thought was very interesting. I like that. Remember how Ted threw that bear claw in the trash? Oh. <sighs> Is only character flaw. I don't, want, I don't like almonds. Yeah, Ted. 
there's almonds on a bear claw. Part of having a bear claw with almonds is they put little pieces of almond. You had to have seen it. Don't touch the bear claw. Oh, we're still angry at him for that, I'm not guys. over the fact that you wasted perfectly good pastry. Right? Give it to someone else, Ted. Ugh. I bet you old Ted had never done that before. Ugh. So angry. New Ted. <laughs> <laughs> um... Okay, my last my last uh, point is the closing arguments. Um, I don't think I would have foreshadowed that, but it's it's I would have thought that they would go there, but it was foreshadowed uh, using role models. Uh, Leonard talked about it with Philip. It's clear that Leonard admires this lawyer or admired this lawyer. Uh, he has his own personal journey to deal with with that reconciliating the fact that this man has done some great lawyering, but is not necessarily a great person, uh, and using that in his closing argument to make a parallel with Isaiah and how, you know, Isaiah, yes, he's a self-made man, yes, he's made great things, but we can't confuse that with great things that have been done by black heroes before. This is not what this is. This is someone who committed a crime, and we have to reconciliate the fact that, yes, this man can be a role model, but he's also someone who broke the law. And uh, it was extremely powerful to me that 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 is the way he went, and it is something also that I think is can be easily, that we can easily relate to, because I think we've all been there I think, well, I have at least, where I meet someone, I have admiration for them, and then I realize that they're human, and that they've made mistakes, and that uh, that's part of getting to know the people you really see as role models. So, I will accuse the show of having a great closing argument. That was very relatable. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. I know that in this case it was talking about a developer, but in a lot of ways, we could talk about a lot of entertainment heroes that have fallen because yeah. just recently in the news, two very popular actresses, Felicity Huffman and Lori Laughlin, very popular with their fans, but they broke the law yeah. by bribing officials so that their kids could get into certain schools. And... That doesn't take away from the fact that they're both very talented. Yeah. But at the same time, they broke the law. And their talent should not excuse their their criminal acts. No. We've had athletes who outstanding athletes, but that doesn't make it okay for you to punch your wife or beat your kids. No. You know, it doesn't make it okay for you to always get DUIs. It doesn't make it okay um, if you're a part of a sports team and there's rules against important in performance enhancing drugs. Okay, you might have hit 60 whatever home runs in a season, but if you were taking a human growth hormone, you broke the rules. Right. Agreed. You know? So, very interesting that, I mean, that speech, it could apply to so much more than just in that courtroom. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. It's something for the people is doing very well this season, making cases, using cases and stories and closing arguments that we can apply to life or that can that are tied into headlines or even real life circumstance. I feel like this show is doing a great job in general, but 
regarding that in particular? Yeah, I don't think there's been a single case that we've um, listened to this season that I haven't gone, wow, that could apply to so much more than just this case. Uh-huh. Am I mistaken? Like, speaking of cases, I guess maybe a bit of speculation regarding next episode. Is the boy, the the young man who was accused... Have you seen the promo? Um, I think I did. Remind me. Okay, so I'm not sure, and I have no, though there is a little bell scene <laughs> that is teased. I have not watched it ten thousand times, so I might be wrong. But the the man, Sandra's client, reminded me of the guy who was accused of killing his Tinder date. I'm wondering if it's him who's back, this time, in trouble for similar circumstance. And her wondering if maybe he did do something wrong. I don't know. Oh, 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 okay. So the part of the promo that I remember, though, is that she gets information from a client about another client that could be potentially ethically troubled. Mm-hmm. So this, that, it could get interesting. Yeah. And she goes to Kate for advice, and they share a pretzel, and that's that's a date. But let's not, you know, maybe not. <laughs> Don't take my food thing and turn it around now. <laughs> uh, but warm pretzels, though. Oh, guys, so good. So good. Um, That's pretty much what I had for points. Is there anything, any accusation you would like to make? Any more accusations? That would be breaking the rules, but still. Brody's not there. We can't that's get away okay. with it. Yeah, exactly. We can do what we want. Yeah. <laughs> um, you no, know, I really felt, you know, I the episodes to me just seem to be so timely and, and relevant this year. Um, my, my Friday was crazy. I didn't really get to look at ratings. I'm hoping the ratings were decent. Because mm-hmm. I'm really... I'm really very hopeful that we're going to get a TGIT block renewal. Yeah. Um, just because I, I haven't heard tons about pilots being picked up by ABC. Of course, we haven't gotten up fronts yet. But we came through pilot season and I didn't hear a lot. Yeah. It's... And normally we hear some more. Um you know, I, I think that with all the new streaming and everything happening, there's going to be a lot more competition for really good and solid uh, pilots. But I'm, I'm very hopeful with the great storytelling we've been getting. You know, I'm not looking for renewal just to get renewal. I'm looking for renewal because we're getting great storytelling. And we're getting, especially for the people this year, and, and Grace has been very good storytelling for me. That's good. Yeah, ratings-wise, I don't know how to interpret ratings, but it seems like it's been fairly consistent. Um, Yeah. Fairly consistent. Started at Uh, 3.07, and then getting up a little, going pretty consistent at 3.07 seems to be what it is. Going a little bit above that, sometimes a little bit below that, but pretty consistent there. So it don't get March Madness. Yeah, which um, 
is kind of saying a lot, actually. Yeah. <laughs> because right now, um, generally, when you look at the top ratings events of the year, uh, the highest ratings almost always now are going to some kind of sporting event. That's the thing we don't DVR, right? Or we don't watch later. People well, want to watch live. People don't because that tends to... There's very few ways to avoid hearing about that. You know, um, the, we'll use a Super Bowl as an example. You don't just stay away from Twitter to not be spoiled. You can't listen to the radio. You can't watch the news. You can't even go online to Yahoo and read articles because there's banners across the top telling you who won the game. So, you know, it's not one of those things that you can shut yourself off from unless you're going to shut yourself off from everything. And it's such pulp pop culture reference, all the ads yeah. and who won and the halfway sh the halftime show, all of that. Yeah. Sports in general, I think. The Super Bowl, the biggest example, but sports in general, I think, is... And live events. You know, the Oscars usually do pretty well. Um, the Oscars probably did their best this year than they have in a while right. without a host. Imagine that. Right. That's true. Yeah. Uh, good point. Hopefully they go with that again. Well, because they didn't waste time. They didn't have to do banter. But I think that also with this age of DVR... Um, They look at DVR plus three and plus seven, I think, to get their final ratings picture for a show. Like, okay, who DVR'd it and then watched it three days later? And those numbers go into the ratings. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they revise them. Absolutely. So, yeah. Uh, because they recognize, okay, people don't just work nine to five anymore. And people, because of DVR, They have favorite shows on different networks. And depending on what's going on, great example is March Madness. If you want, if your alma mater is playing Thursday night, you're probably watching that game and DVRing Station 19 and for the people. Right. You know, you're going to watch the game live and then go back and watch your shows. And other people who want no part of commercials DVR and watch the next day so that they don't have to do commercials. Yeah. With the exception of TGIT. And things like This Is Us, unless it's on HBO, Showtime, Stars, or Cinemax, I don't watch a lot of live TV. I watch it the next day so I can take the commercials out. And instead of it taking an hour to watch a show, it takes me 42 minutes. That makes a lot of sense. And you know there's also people who will wait for a few episodes to be out so they can binge or even the whole season because that's how they like to watch that particular show. So the viewing experience is so much different now that immediate ratings should be taken into consideration, of course, but it should play a lesser part, in my opinion, in deciding who gets renewed and who doesn't. Exactly. And if there's one thing that Netflix has proven to us, Since streaming doesn't have a good way of compiling ratings, how they decide to keep shows is very arbitrary. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, Netflix this year has made several unpopular moves. Yeah, people are pretty upset with them. Yeah. You know, I mean, I kind of understand clearing out their Marvel stuff because of Marvel going to be part of Disney streaming. 
But I don't get the, I mean, I haven't watched One Day at a Time yet. I know I'm a terrible human being. But terrible. One Day at a Time is, you know, I, I've seen the reaction on the internet. It's an important yeah, show so, for many people. Yeah. I'm like, okay, but you can't give us ratings information. But I'm seeing so much of my timeline fired up about this. How is somebody not finding a way to save this show? Yeah, and then there's some sh networks that are interested, but Netflix don't want to let it go. They don't want to let go the licensing or whatever. Which is crazy. Talk. Uh, yeah, anyways. There's this whole thing with the writers going on with agents and representation. You have to wonder, okay, is, is moving writer rooms or creating new writer rooms something that's going to be a challenge as well? I don't know. Anyways, um... Let's get back to For the People. Um, Sorry. Yeah, no, it's fine. I think it's interesting and it's part of the conversation. I mean, we're talking, we're waiting for renewal. Will we get it or not? This is all part of it, you know, what's going to happen with it. I think Upfronts is where we're going to know about TGIT's lineup. That's usually what it is, right? Yeah. So we'll see. I wouldn't be surprised if it was renewed, honestly, just to make TGIT a... Uh, its own thing. We'll see. Uh, a note, so the courtroom was referenced to as the arena, which is something Grey's Anatomy has done with the OR. Just wanted to make that parallel. Uh, and that's pretty much it for notes for this episode for me. Do you have any? I don't. I don't think that uh, I don't think there was anything that really, really, other than the storyline, stood stood out to me. I just, I, I loved seeing Leonard Cox vulnerable a little bit. Me as well. It, so this is going to sound crazy. Does it make some of his scenes looking back with Seth, does it make him seem less arrogant knowing that he has this vulnerable side? If you were to go back yeah. and watch, one where they're talking about him trying to help get the dates. Does it make Leonard less obnoxious about that now? I think yes. I think if we were to go back at this point and rewatch season one, I think we would have a different perspective on everything he does. I think knowing that he's someone who struggles with finding his place and understanding where he fits in and how what part of we know more of his experience now i think it would change our perspective on everything absolutely with set teasing set though i'm not too sure like i'm kind of over it honestly them they they didn't do it too much this episode no no Don't... they did bring him along to make him look like a like a seat a seat filler. filler but you know they they could have picked somebody else at least they picked their friends It seems like they're fleshing out the other prosecutor as well, whose name I'm forgetting. But uh, with Jay, the, the the prosecutor who was with Jay, they're fleshing her out. So that's nice. I wonder how she'll fit in. Yeah, I know. She's getting a little more screen time, it seems, every week, huh? Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. There's, there's, there's a reason they're doing that. Something's going to come up somewhere. There is a reason, yes. There's going to be an ethical conundrum somewhere before the end of this season, I think, and she's going to be involved. 
Very possible. She can name four types of balls that are smaller than tennis balls, so we know that about her. Ping pong, golf, pinball, super ball. <laughs> Squash, right? And I'm not sure. I don't know. Uh, we don't have petitions to bring before the court, mainly because I forgot to ask for feedback. I only asked five minutes before we started recording, so people have not had time to send in feedback. Um, but from what I gather from the internet, people seem to have enjoyed the episode a lot. Uh, I've seen a lot of people talk about underestimating Leonard and how that's... It seems to be <laughs> a mistake that we've seen a few times now that people should not underestimate Leonard. So, it seems like people responded well to the episode. Did you see similar responses? Yes. Um, you know, it, overall, this entire season, I'm seeing a lot of very positive response. I just wish that there was more people that I follow and stuff that watch Grey's and Station 19 that tweeted about this show and watch this show as well. Me too. If there was one thing I would ask for our TGIT fandom, it's give this show a shot. Yeah, I agree. It might It's a bit less character-driven, I think, but the cases make it so worth it. I don't know. I really like it. It's a good And show. this season is a little more character-driven than last season. Yes, agreed. That is true. Yes. That is true. Um, all right, last verdict for this episode. Sports, you go first. Really enjoyed it. Love the topic. Um, so we've had... We've had a Leonard episode. We've had kind of a Jay episode. We Allison has to be next, right? Allison is the one that's been missing, honestly. Because she didn't, she didn't have much in here. I mean, I think the biggest thing she did was make fun of Jay's helmet. Right. So we're due for an Allison episode. A big one, too. Yeah, I agree. And it seems like she has similar a similar story to Leonard's. It seems like she comes from a place of privilege a little bit. So that it'd be interesting to have them relate to to each other more when when it comes to that. And I'm looking forward to hearing more about her. So, hopefully we get an Allison episode soon. My god, all the cats are trying to come in the room, people. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> I, I, I'm scratching at the door. Yeah, well, they're, they're all in the room now. <laughs> all right. So, that's pretty much it. I will... Oh, I didn't make my, my last verdict. Uh, this episode is guilty of... Making Leonard more three-dimensional and making me care about him uh, a lot more. Um, so I appreciate that a lot. A lot, 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 lot. Um, yep, great episode. All right, sports. That's pretty much our court adjourned. Where can we find you on the internet? I am on Twitter, at SportsFan12921. Um... That's where you can find me the most. You can also, if you leave me a message on the Grey's Anatomy after party or Bar with a View Facebook, um, if you say something with sports specifically, I will 
answer that. Um, I know we have an, an email. I don't go into it. But if you send an email and you want to know something from me, Kale forward it to me and I'll answer it. Absolutely. I will. Uh, your, our website is coretemparts.com. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Shonda as well as on TSG Podcast. We have, you can send us a voicemail, um, a voice note at Shondaland at coretemparts.com. A voicemail through the phone uh, using the f number 404-500-8785. We have a Facebook group for Coretemp Arts. Uh, where people discuss everything from TV shows to music to pop culture, even political news as well. So you're welcome to join. There's conversations about many things that will likely interest you. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, everywhere you listen to podcasts. You can leave us a five-star ratings and review. That's always helpful. Uh, and thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to an original Cortem Parts Network production. To listen to more Cortem Parts shows, visit cortemparts.com.